back some memories of your little ones growing up, especially like the uh, grandparent picture now that we're grandparents. We'll be celebrating one year old next week with our grandson Blake as our son turns 30. We're having a 31 party next week. <laughs> I think one of my favorite ages when my son was growing up was, remember the stage where they're 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 not they're walking now and they wear the jam jams that have the little feetsies in them and they zip up the front. Oh, wasn't that a great age? They're discovering things, they're figuring things out, and they kind of getting what Christmas is all about and all those fun, fun times. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in our audience this morning. Grandmothers, great grandmothers, and godly women, we are so glad that you are here. Abraham Lincoln said, All that I am. And all that I hope to be, I owe to my mother. Dwight L. Moody, famous preacher, said, All that I have ever accomplished in life, I owe to my mother. And Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep your father's commands. Well, what about mom? And do not forsake your mother's teaching. And I now take you to the fifth commandment. It's very, very important. It's the first Man-to-man commandment. The first four are in descending order. Actually, they all, all ten are in descending order of importance. The first four are man-to-God related. But what's the very first man-to-man related commandment? You know what it is? Honor your father and your mother. Same side of the coin, isn't it? And then, what about godly women? Maybe you're not a mother yet. Or maybe you're just, you know, not going to be a mother. And that's okay, too. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be what? Praise. Praise God for the godly women. We've got lots of godly women here at Cross Point. God bless you. I like this quote. I use it every Mother's Day. Somebody said, I don't know who this is attributed to, but an ounce of mother is worth a pound of preacher. Amen? Isn't that true? Speaking of preachers, G. Campbell Morgan, he had four sons, and and all of them became ministers of the gospel. And at a family reunion, a friend asked one of the sons, which of the Morgans is the greatest preacher? And without skipping a beat, one of the boys looked right at his father and said, Mother. Eight-year-old Mary wrote her mother a note for Mother's Day. It reads, Dear Mother, here is the box of candy I bought you for Mother's Day. It is very good candy. I know because I've already ate three pieces. Now, take your outlines out. We're going to look at something very important today. Of all the mother-child relationships that God raised up, there is none more unique than that of Mary and Jesus. What about John the Baptist? Very unique, but not more unique than this. 
I want to break this down into three major stages of the relationship between Mary and her son Jesus as we honor moms today. I want us to look first at the conception and birth, then the childhood and growth, and then finally we'll end with the adulthood and ministry of Jesus. Let's go first to the conception and birth. Uh, Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 30, we read, But the angel said to her, this is Mary, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. God looked down from heaven, and of all the women in the world at that time, he said, that one right there. That's the one I choose, if she's willing, to be the mother of my son that I'm sending to earth. Thank God she was a godly woman. Thank God she was a willing woman. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. You're still in it. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he will reign forever with those in his kingdom. Are you a child of God? You're in his kingdom. You are blessed. Glad you're here today. Now that's all good. But remember, you're now a 16-year-old girl. Probably that was about the age when they started getting married. Maybe some even say younger than that. But let's just use 16, for example. And an angel has just appeared to you, and you're kind of trying to comprehend all that's being said. You're taking all this in. You've been asked if you're willing to be used by God. You've been told that the Son of the Most High will come from your womb if you are willing. And Mary asked the angel, How can this be? Since I am a what? Virgin. She was the Virgin Mary. She's never been with a man like that before. She's honoring God's plan for marriage. Now she's engaged, betrothed, if you will, to a fellow named Joseph. I'm sure they loved her. I'm sure Joseph loved her. I'm sure Mary loved Joseph. And they were looking forward to that day. They were going through sort of the engagement period. The the wedding hadn't taken place yet. And she's going, hmm, don't you know it had to enter her mind? If I say yes to this, what's Joseph going to think? Don't you know that had to get in there somehow? But she's being asked to do something for who? God. What's the very first of the Ten Commandments? Put Joseph first or put God first? Ooh, the Ten Commandments take on a whole new meaning when you look at it like that. See, when you put the proper order in place, all the other commandments, all the other things were asked to do by God, fall into place. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and I don't even want to pretend to understand all that's being said there. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And for nine months, the only visible sign of God on earth was who? Mary. Mary, 
the mother of Jesus. Conception has taken place. He's not yet been born. It's an unbelievable thing that has happened. And we sort of act like Mary just took all this in. Like, you know, she just took it in stride. And there wasn't any worries. There wasn't any problems. There wasn't any uh uh-ohs. No, she had to consider what her parents would think, what Joseph would think, what the community would think, what the elders would think, those at the synagogue would think, family and friends, neighbors, you know the talk. All that stuff had to be going through her mind. And Joseph is so upset with her that he decides to divorce her. In that day and time, the betrothal was sort of a, well, you were, it was a legal binding contract. You were already considered marriage, married, even though the marriage had not yet taken place. Now, how would you like to be married? No one believes you. I don't think her parents believed her. I don't think Joseph believed her. And I think it's at this point in her ministry, or in her life, that she went to see her cousin Elizabeth that David talked about this morning in communion. And she's gone for several months. She gets away from it all. She can only take so much. And when she arrives, guess who leaps within Elizabeth's womb? John the Baptist. Here's her voice. Here's a song. Here's all this. And I'm sure Elizabeth instantly believed Mary's claim, don't you? You want to be around someone that's going to support you. Elizabeth is supporting Mary, and Mary is supporting Elizabeth and helping her with this new child. God bless them both. It took an angel of the Lord to convince Joseph that what Mary was saying was true. Think about that. An angel of the Lord actually had to go to Joseph and say, Come on, Joseph. You know Mary. You know what she's like. She would not do that to you. He's convinced now. Mary returns home. The wedding takes place. But don't you know for those months that she was away, no one's believing her. Maybe every night before she went to sleep, she patted that little baby. Ever do that with those of you that are parents? Jane and I used to play thump, thump, thump with Corey before he was born, before we knew his name. Hey, little guy or little girl, we weren't sure. And you got a little thump, thump back. And Mary may have said, you believe me, don't you? You believe me? And little baby Jesus inside tapping on Morris code. Yes, Mommy, I believe you. Thump, thump, thump. I don't know about all that, but, you know, makes you think, makes you wonder, doesn't it? So that's conception and birth. Let's move on to the second stage of Jesus' life. He's now 12 years old. Baby's born, manger, Christmas story, you know all that. The angels, the shepherds. A couple years later, you get the wise men, all that stuff. That's all taking place. Twelve years go by. Twelve years. Jesus just looks like an ordinary boy. He's not super boy. And Mary kind of forgets these things in time. Kind of 
That's kind of part of the problem. And, and we know that this family was churchgoers. And here's what happens. Mary forgets that Jesus is a boy who's going to become a man with a mission. You kind of forget that. And the child grew, Luke 2.41 says, and became strong. Was Jesus strong? Yeah. He grew. He worked with his hands. He was a carpenter. He was a strong guy. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. You remember the law that they lived under. The Old Testament law says every, time, every year, three times a year, at least three times a year, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker must go to Jerusalem and have a party and think about God. That's what these feast days were all about. And so they would go and they would travel in large companies Neighbors, friends would all band together, relatives, and you would go in one big movement. It was better that way. It was funner that way. And it also kept the thieves away if you were just going, you know, two by two, for example. Well, after the feast was over, while the parents were returning home, the boy, Jesus, notice he's a boy, stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it, thinking he was in their company. They traveled for a day. So imagine you're in this big company, 150, 160 maybe people traveling, and, you know, where's Jesus? He didn't show up for breakfast, didn't show up for lunch, didn't show up for dinner. Well, he must be with, you know, some relatives. Or he's in the company, he's here somewhere, and they don't think too much of it. But, you know, it's kind of weighing on them. You parents know what I'm talking about, you know, if... At our house, you you could miss breakfast. You can get up early and and be on your way. You can even miss lunch. But if you don't show up for dinner, mom and dad's worried, all right? So that's day one. Let's keep reading. Thinking he was in the company, they traveled for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, uh uh-oh, where's Jesus? They went back to Jerusalem to look for him. I heard a story, forget from who, now I remember, but I will not name names for us, do a little. Somebody left a child here. They drove home, and where's one of the kids? I think it was one of the, was it one of the do little kids, Jerry? Okay, yeah, she's shaking her head, mama. I don't know who it was, Steve or David or Keith or somebody, but maybe they came back and found him asleep in the pew. Or uh, I, I remember falling asleep, everyone looking for me, and I was in the back seat of the car. They just left me in the car. I fell asleep there. You know, it can happen. And so here they are. Here they are looking for Jesus, can't find him, and they decide to go to the temple. That's the last time we saw him. That's the last, let's go to the last place where we saw him. Sitting among the leaders, listening to them, and then asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. He not only asked good biblical questions, he answered them. When his parents saw him, they, both mom and dad, were astonished. And notice what the text says. His mother said to him. Now, isn't it normally the father? 
I can remember when I was growing up, when we were in trouble, mom would say, just wait till your father gets home. He's going to deal with this. But it says, his mother said, son, you can just see the finger pointing. You can see the upset, maybe some anger, and probably some relief too, right? You found your boy. Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus immediately said, oh, mom, dad, I am so sorry. I really messed up. Is that what he says? Why were you searching for me? And I had to take her back, right? Talk about mother-child relationships. Moms, you remember the first time your boy started getting some independence? Why were you searching for me? It's not such a bad thing for your kids to get independent. Moms, dads, this is a good thing. Didn't you know I had to be about my, what direction is he looking? Father's business. He's not looking at Joseph. Joseph was not his earthly father biologically. I must be about my father's business. Bingo! Immediately Mary's mind had to have gone back 12 years and 9 months earlier, don't you think? She didn't fully understand it all, but oh man, how could she not get this? You're going, well, wait a second. Twelve years have gone by, and their little boy just was so human. As David said today, 100% man, 100% God, the God-man Jesus. And in Mary, we're very forgetful, aren't we? If you look at the life of the 12 apostles, Jesus is doing miracle after miracle, raising the dead, the blind can see, the lame can, all these great things, and Jesus tells them all this stuff, and then Jesus dies on the cross, they hang their heads, well, that's over. They forget all the things that Jesus had just told them. Mary sees this boy so human, so natural, so innocent and hers that she kind of forgets the big picture. They didn't understand what he was saying to them. And they went down to Nazareth, that's where he lived, with them and was obedient to them. But his mother, watch this, treasured all these things in her heart, as only a mother can do. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with men. Now we move on to the third and final stage of this mother and child relationship, adulthood and ministry. Now is where it really gets tough. We're in John chapter 2 now, okay? Um, my Bible in yours says, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. That would include who? His mother, Mary. Jesus came to Give his life a ransom for how many? Many. All of us. Okay? You had this amazing child. You've enjoyed him for 12 years. Had an encounter of some kind that you didn't fully understand, but you're, you're starting to get it. And now there's like 18 silent years. Jesus is 30 years of age now. You get the time frame? 
He's already done what? He's um, fasted 40 days and nights. He's dealt with the devil. He's chosen his 12. And he's starting his ministry. He's got to get out there and get going and doing his thing because he needs to save the world. He had us all in mind. That was his mission. That was his task. Mary had fulfilled her task as a mother. She brought Jesus into this world. She raised him right, took him to church, took him to temple, took him to synagogue. You know all that stuff. She's done her part. Jesus has grown in wisdom and stature, favor with God, favor with men. he's, He's maturing. He's moving. He's ready to get going to the next stage of life. And so the next time we meet up with this mother-child relationship is at a wedding feast. Mary still has a very strong bond with Jesus. Jesus is ready to make the break, okay? Mary's not. And Mary needs to be encouraged to do so. The bond was tight. They're at a wedding. Perhaps Mary was in charge of the food and beverages for the wedding feast. Weddings went on for days back then. Had a lot of guests to feed, people to serve. And no marriage, no wedding goes on off without a hitch, right? Every marriage has a problem. You may not even know about it, but the people that are in charge of things behind the scenes, they know when a problem is taking place. And this marriage had a problem. Not enough wine. They'd run out of wine. And so Mary does what... Does what? On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. In Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. I think Jesus would have been fun to have at a party, right? Jesus enjoyed a good party. You know, don't think of Jesus as a guy that frowns all the time. You know, always serious, always studious. No, he he enjoyed a good party like anybody else. He was invited along with his friends. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no wine. Now, I've read some commentaries on this. Some think, which I do not, that Mary was coming to Jesus and saying, Do a miracle. Superboy, I remember when you were a kid, you could kick that ball and kick ball games further than anybody else. When the team was down, you came through with that super stuff. No, 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 no. Jesus was an ordinary boy. When he stubbed his toe, it hurt and it bled just like any other little boy. And, you know, Mama took him in, his arm, in her arms and, you know, patched and repaired and fixed Little Jesus' scraped knees and all that stuff. She's not saying do a miracle. Jesus hadn't done a miracle yet. This is the first recorded miracle that we find on record. So why is she going to Jesus with this problem? I think over the years, Joseph, I think, has died. Probably early on. We don't know the whole story, but I think he's been gone for a while. And guess who Mary has been leaning on all these years? The oldest. Who's the oldest? Jesus. The oldest son, help, help, help. And she has found Jesus to be very resourceful at times like these. And whenever Mary had a need, she would say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And what's Jesus thinking? Mom, 
somebody's got to cut the apron strings here. I got a ministry and a mission. And you're coming to me with this? Well, Jesus is about to cut the apron strings, whether she's ready or not. But I think this is his opportunity in a nice way to let her know that. It's a little like your mom. And this actually happened to me one time. It was Thanksgiving. We were about to sit down to eat. All the family and, and relatives were there. And mom says, oh, no, we're out of ice. And then looked right at me. I'm not the oldest, mom. Well, I was the one that was there and available. Now, moms, at, when you're at this age, right, I'm like 18. When you're at this age, your moms know better than to say, all right, now, Brucey, get in your car, go down to Long's Dairy, and pick up some ice. They don't say that. But moms just say, oh, no, I'm out of ice, and then give you that look. <laughs> they don't say it, but it's a veiled, you know, request. Uh, mom, don't worry about it, taken care of, and you hop in your car, and you go, and you do what mom said to do. Well, Jesus is going to do this one more time and then say, Mom, we're going to have to take a time out on this. This can't happen anymore. Got to fix this. Got a ministry. And he says, dear woman. He doesn't even call her mom, does he? He's not insulting her. What's he call her? Woman. Dear woman. He's not insulting her. Some take this as an insult. I, I, I don't. He's just saying, dear woman, why do you involve me? Why are you involving me in this? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. What time is he talking about? Well, Jesus was a man on a mission. What was his mission? To get to a cross. If he starts doing miracles too soon, word gets out about him too quickly before he accomplishes all of his ministry of preaching and teaching and healing that's going to speed up the process and get him to the cross too soon. And when does he got to die? On the perfect, what? Passover. He is our Passover. God's timing is perfect. Mom, my time's not yet come. I think what he's saying is, I'm going to do this for you, but this is sort of the last time. Because I've got to get on my father's mission. I've got to be about my father's business, my father's house. Now, why did it occur? Because Mary needed to grow up as a mother, Mary needed to make a discovery that some mothers never make. And I'm actually impressed with Mary's response to this. There isn't a, how could you speak to your mother this way? In public, calling me a woman? Really, Jesus? She didn't, there's none of that? None of that. I think what she's saying is, his mother says, verse 5, his mother says to the servants, do whatever he says. She's saying, okay, I get it. I get it. I get the picture. It's time to cut the apron strings. And I won't be calling on you anymore for this kind of stuff. I know you're grown. You, ever, you remember a time in your life when you... Felt grown up. I remember several times like that. Dad threw me the keys of the car one time. He had taught me how to drive, but I didn't have my license yet. And the car, his, his car was behind my Uncle James's car in the driveway. And he threw me the key. Hey, he didn't feel like doing it. Hey, Bruce, move the car so Uncle James can get out. Ooh. 
You mean I can actually go out in the car, start the car, back up the car, move the car to another spot with dad not being in here with me? Ooh, talk about feeling grown up. Remember a time in your life when you felt grown up? Well, Jesus is saying, Mom, I'm grown up now. I'm beyond my learner's permit. <laughs> I'm launching out. I'm 30 years old. Time to get on with my father's business. It's not going to be the same anymore, Mom. I have a mission. My hour's not yet come, but listen, Mom. When it does, I'm going to submit to my father's voice, not yours. Mothers, one of the best gifts you can give your kids is the gift of releasing the controls, letting them grow up. And I got four thoughts on this. Number one, recognize that your child is on temporary loan, not permanent ownership. How much does God own? Everything, the whole world, and everything in it, including what, mothers? Your children. Moms, your kids are not your own. They're just on loan to you for a little while. They belong first to God. And God has plans for them. Sometimes I don't understand that myself, having a son. And sometimes we've got mothers in this room that have lost sons, maybe some daughters. And the pain of that, you can look up to heaven and say, God, I don't get that, but he's yours, she's yours. That's tough on a Mother's Day to remember I have a son. But you know what's also really neat? To remember I have a son who's in heaven. There's a good thought, huh? Number two, release slowly and consistently, not suddenly. See, it's kind of like flying a kite. When you fly a kite, you remember when you were a kid, you take off running and you let some string out and then the wind kind of catches it and then you don't just let it run out as fast as it can because it kind of depends on the wind conditions. You know, if you let it out too fast, it just kind of falls to the ground. So you release it slowly, you work it, you slowly, you get it out, and finally you get up there to altitude. And your kite soars. Well, that's what you want with your children. You release them slowly. You don't just get to a point in your life and go, okay, out of the house. You're out of here. You're ready. No, slowly, meticulously. Like Dobson says, when they're babies, you've got to have a closed fist. Because those little babies can't care for themselves. They're totally, completely dependent upon you. But as they grow and get their independence, and they can crawl, and they can walk, and ride a tricycle, and a bicycle with training wheels, and then a bicycle, and then a car, and then um, at one point you just say, fly away, little birdie. It's time. Slowly release them. Number three, realize your role is changing from director and protector to listener and friend. You notice after you became mature and an adult and you had a problem and your son would call you, he's now married, Dad, I wanted to talk to you about something. That's a whole other role now, isn't it? They're coming to you for advice. Wow, this is different. Not sit down, son, you need to hear this. <laughs> it's the other way around. That's, and that's really what you want. And number four, respect the growth toward independence. Do not resent it. Do not resent it. 
Remember, Mary, once she came to this realization, she would step back so far that she would be willing to watch her son die. A most horrible death on a Roman cross. Without interfering. I mean, what good would it have done her to interfere? They would have just killed her too. And so Jesus had to get her ready to not step in. To not do that. We needed Mary to help with the church. You remember, if you read about Mary's life in the book of Acts, prayer meetings took place at Mary's house. We needed her to live on and move on. Now, I know Mother's Day can be an awkward time for some families. There's been hurt in families and mother-child relationships. And there's been pain and hurt on both sides. And what is needed is forgiveness. Mother, what a perfect time. What a perfect day to forgive that son and that daughter. You know what? Let me tell you something about all of your kids. They are imperfect just like you. Because everyone's imperfect. No such thing as a perfect father, perfect mother, perfect son, perfect daughter. We all make mistakes. Let me tell you about a true story. There was a prison warden years ago from Oklahoma. His name was Kenyon Scuttered. And he tells the story of one of the inmates there. He was a young Oklahoma boy who had embarrassed his family and his community by ending up in the penitentiary. And while he was in the penitentiary, he didn't hear very much from his mother and father. They were illiterate. It was very hard for them to write and to communicate. And he wasn't really sure if their lack of communication was because it was hard for them to write or if they just stopped loving him. And so he decided to take the initiative and wrote them a letter which read something to the effect, Dear Mom and Dad, my release date is coming up and I'll be coming home soon. I'm not sure if you still love me. But if you do, the train that I'm going to be taking runs right by our backyard there in Oklahoma. And you know the big tree in the backyard, if you would, if you still love me, and, and as a sign that you've forgiven me, would you tie a white ribbon on that tree? And as the train slows to come to the station, I'll look at the tree as I pass by, and if I see a white ribbon... I'll know that you still love me and that you've forgiven me and I'll get off the train and I'll come home. But if I don't see that ribbon, I'll stay on the train and I'll be out of your lives forever. Well, the day of his release came. He boarded the train, headed home. And as that train began to slow to that Oklahoma City station where he lived, his house was coming up. He knew it would be there in just a few minutes, but he was so nervous that he couldn't bear to look. And so he quickly told the story 
to the fellow sitting next to him, one of the passengers on the train, and said, would you, would you please look for, for me? My house is coming up. The tree's on the right. Just look for me. And then he put his head down. He just couldn't stand it. Couldn't bear to look. And then all of a sudden he feels this passenger shaking his leg, saying, look, look, you've got to see this. Look, look. And when he finally looks up, he sees this tree loaded with what? White ribbons everywhere. And I thought, oh, God, isn't that just like you and me? I messed up. I said, look at this verse. One last verse. We'll close with this. He himself bore our sins in his body on what? The tree. Every time you look at the cross, think white ribbon. Think, he served my time. He died for me. He rose for me. He lives for me. By his wounds, you have been what? Healed. Thank God for the tree. Thank God for the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Mother's Day. Thank you for choosing Mary to bring your son into the world. Thank you for the lessons we can learn from their relationship. Now, Father, you've told us in your word that we are to honor our fathers, and we're going to be doing that coming up in June, but also our mothers. It's the same side of the coin. And we've tried to do that today. But we also want to thank you for our godly wives. We want to thank you for the godly women in our church here at Cross Point. We're thankful that you made women to be nurturers and teachers and encouragers, tender-hearted counselors, compassionate and gentle. Would you heal any broken relationship? Would you restore families today to be a place of peace, healthy and united? In Jesus' name, amen.